the safety of the hall. The hall was still buzzing with activity as they returned, despite it being late and dark. While the Carls sat inside arguing over what they should do next after the field sacrifice, the rest of the village had either gone home or decided to stay up drinking beer. Around the town, fires were burning and groups of men were singing, shouting and spinning sagas. The atmosphere felt tense and Alva feared that the men plying themselves with drink was surely not a good thing. Voices were raised through the streets and she could hear proud boasts being proclaimed about who would capture the villain that was attacking their town. Uncle, Alva said, I know we have to find out what has happened to the men, but what about father's treasure? There is a threatening presence in our mountain, her uncle replied, and people are disappearing one after the other. If we can discover more about Bjork's involvement in these latest attacks, then perhaps we can find out who else is on the trail of your father's treasure. We must know more about our enemy before we follow Bjorn's clues across Giant's finger. If we find the silver from the young men at Bjark's hut, we know he was the one who attacked them tonight. Then we can find out if it is he who took the casket and seeks to decode the runes. You must remember that the English Mulk and Warrior are still missing and could be freezing on the side of a mountain somewhere. As well as your father's fortune, we must find them. Well, Bjork's most likely in a tavern now, wrapping his massive mouth round a drinking horn, Alva said. He's a terrible drunk and is of a simple mind. I imagine he would have put any treasures he stole from the men safely inside his hut before going drinking. I agree, replied Magnus. We must go to his hut and see if anyone is at home. Why don't you head back home for some sleep and leave Finrear here with me? Alva glared up at her uncle through her matted fringe. Where Fen goes... I go, she repeated, and I don't need to sleep. I thought so, answered Magnus grudgingly. You have your father's stubborn ways and thirst for adventure, Alva. Our investigations tonight remind me of when he and I used to explore together. To be honest, I'm very glad you're here with me. Bjork's hut was to the east of the hall, on the opposite side of the settlement to their own. It grew quieter as they moved away from the throng in the heart of Killsgard, and many of the huts were silent as their inhabitants slept. The butcher's house faced onto the street and during the day Bjark set up a canvas stall out the front where Alva had very often bought meat for the family's pot. We must listen carefully and find out if anyone is inside, Magnus said, leaving the path and edging down the narrow space between Bjark's hut and the leather workers next door. The shutters were closed and no light shone from within. Magnus strained his ear to a crack in the wall. Alva heard, held her breath listening for the snores of the huge butcher. But there was nothing. Magnus pulled her back onto the street, where the main door to the wooden hut stood strong and very clearly locked. We can't get in, Alva whispered. That is a strong lock and Bjark will have the key with him. The shutters are bolted and I can see no other way in. Well, let's see what I can do, Magnus said with a slight glint in his eye. He pulled his pouch open and began rubbing in his hand deep inside. Alva could hear rustles, clinks and clanks as he rifled between his many useful treasures. Then he drew out a ring of metal. Around the edge were keys of all shapes and sizes. I had a key cutter in Helgo make this for me. He was a bit reluctant, but I persuaded him I needed it for my investigations. It doesn't open all locks, but includes most sizes and shapes of keys. And I've been lucky whenever I've had to use it so far. Despite her whole body ringing with nerves and excitement, Alva couldn't help but stifle a giggle in her thick fur collar. 
the contents of her uncle's bag never ceased to amaze her. And while she was shocked that he had such a collection of keys, she wasn't really surprised. She wondered what other locks he had been secretly opening. He began placing each key into the lock in turn. It was a noisy business, and the metal rang out with each failed attempt. Alva kept looking around, fearful that someone would hear them. Don't worry, her uncle said quietly. It means that no one is in, at least, and the neighbours will just think Bjark is drunkenly struggling with his lock again. At last, Magnus placed a large key with four teeth into the lock. After moving it back and forth, they heard the mechanism slide sideways. The door made an immense creaking noise and opened. The hut was completely dark. The fire was out and the hearth was cold. Magnus brought his flaming torch inside and a warm light filled the room. Alva was startled by the mess inside. At one end, animal skins hung around the walls while sections of beasts were either strung from the roof or laid out on the long table. The smell was hideous. The other side of the hearth was clearly Bjark's living quarters. There was a straw mattress with clothes and rugs strewn over it. All around the floor were tools, cooking utensils, shoes, cups and half-eaten food and dirt covered everything. Bjark has not looked after himself since he lost his wife, Magnus said. Alva recalled how the butcher had been married to a local girl, but she died giving birth. Neither mother nor child survived the ordeal. This place is disgusting, she said, her nose covered to ward off the smell. How can he live like this? Forget the mess for now. We need to think of where a man like Bjork might hide stolen jewels and weapons, Magnus said, casting his eyes around the room. Fen can help, Alva said. If I let him smell the belt buckle that we found in Jane's finger, he should be able to find other objects with that smell on them. Great idea, he really is a remarkable creature, Alva, Magnus replied. You've trained him well. Alva had spent many months experimenting with Fenrir's sense of smell. She had hidden objects around the town and enjoyed cajoling Fen as he sniffed the ground following her footsteps and eventually finding the hidden trophies. Magnus drew the scrap of silver from his pouch and handed it to Alva, who held it under Fenrir's muzzle. Find, she said, clearly, looking the wolf in the eye as she spoke. After a few seconds, Fenrir began moving round the hut, his nose close to the ground. He had to climb over all the debris that covered the floor, and he moved bits of leather and scraps of material with his paws, searching for the scent. He paced from one corner of the building to the other, sweeping across from side to side. Eventually he came back to Alva and stared up at her with dark sad eyes. Don't worry Fen, she said ruffling his fur. Turning to her uncle she said, it's not here. If Fen can't find it, it's not in the hut. Magnus rubbed his beard thoughtfully, tugging at one of the beads knotted carefully into the hairs. But what if it's in the back? The yards of most of the houses in Kilsgaard stretched out in strips of land behind them and often owners would construct little outbuildings on this ground. They moved out of the houses, locking the doors they left. Once again, they squeezed through the narrow passage to the side, careful not to knock on the walls of the leathersmith's hut next door as they went. The yard was as poorly looked after as the house. Weeds lay thick across the earth and no planting or tilling had taken place for some time. Yet, as expected, a small dilapidated hut reared out of the darkness at the end of the plot. Fen suddenly took off. He ran straight for the shack and began scratching at the wood. The hut had a simple bar across the door, wedging it shut. Magnus heaved it open and shone his torch inside. A rusty scythe hung on the hook and dried out bulbs, balls of tangled yarn and planks of wood lay scattered over the floor. 
In the corner, however, was a bright piece of pale material. Fenrir made straight for it, and he pulled at the cloth with his claws. As the fabric fell back, the torchlight reflected back a heap of polished metal. Inside a wicker basket was a hoard of glinting weapons, silver bands and fragments of jewellery. We found it, Alva, the men's riches, said Magnus. We've got him, but the Jarl is not going to like this. Alva ruffled Fen's fur, proud of how well he'd done, but inside she felt anxious. These investigations were a distraction from their main goal. They had to start following the runes. They already knew where to start, at her lake. Yet now they would have to show these treasures to the Jarl and question Bjark. It would all take time and instead she wanted to decode the mystery laid for her by her father across Giant's finger. They left behind the dark squalor of Bjark's house, Magnus dragging the basket of treasures with him through the snow. Alva pondered what they had found as she trudged along the crisp white path. She couldn't understand how Bjark fitted into the story. He was a drunk fool. But surely he hadn't the wits to kidnap two men and try to decode the riddle of the runes? What's more, if Bjork had the Englishmen, where was he keeping them? They certainly weren't at his home. Something was missing. Something wasn't right. They came to the main clearing outside the hall, which was still lit around the edges, as groups of men and women sat around fires under shelters, arguing and carousing. The huge bonfire in the centre still burned, but it was now pumping out plumes of black smoke against the white backdrop of snow-covered Killsguard. Magnus made for the door and banged with his fist against it. One of the cars, Fechner, opened the door. His eyes were bloodshot and he looked exhausted. It's you, he murmured. You will not be welcome in here. I will, when you hear now how I have discovered more news of the night's events, replied Magnus. Let me in. He pushed himself past the car and Alva followed, leading Fenrir into the hall. The hall fell silent. Magnus walked straight to the central hearth, ignoring Jarl Eric. Alva moved alongside him, trying to keep her head held high while her instincts cried out to hide away in the corner of the hall, out of sight. In his loudest speech-making voice, he turned to the benches and began. Listen, a good deal has happened since I left you after the ceremony. You wanted to sit and talk, while I, a true son of Odin, wanted to explore and discover. With my niece, this wolf here, and my raven, we went to Giant's Finger on the trail of three young strangers. A call went up around the hall, but Jarl Eric silenced it with one finger. Be still, he said. Magnus brings news, and I, for one, want to hear it. Magnus had the wind in his sails now, and was in full boast. You did nothing while I used my mind's eye to search for information. My raven said the men were gone, and so they were. We made for the high clearing on the west side of the giant's finger where the monk and Englishman had camped. There were, we found, signs that a fierce struggle had taken place. There was much blood. Yet the three men and their horses had left the site beaten, but I think still alive. Nevertheless, it was clear they had been attacked and their possessions had been stolen. We found broken belt fittings which suggested they were robbed of their weapons. They were weak and young boys, but dripping in silver. A single strong man could deliver a beating and demand their riches. This is how it seemed to us. With the help of my niece and her remarkable wolf, we discovered this. Magnus pulled the cleaver from his belt. We all know who this belongs to. That's Bjark's knife, one of the men shouted out. Indeed it is, said Magnus, turning on him. So we thought it very likely that Bjark had taken the men's treasure in the night and hidden it somewhere in his home. We travelled straight there again doing something while you men simply drank and talked. 
Bjark was not there, so we explored his hut. We found nothing until the wolf in rear used his God-given gift of smell to lead us to an outbuilding. There the foolish butcher had hidden this. Magnus lifted the basket that he had dragged into the hall above his shoulders and tipped its contents onto the broad table in front of the Jarl Eric. The sound of clinking metal rang around the hall as daggers, coins and silver fittings poured across the wood. In the dancing flames of the burning fire, Viking eyes lit up with excitement. But then came sounds of shock and anger ringing round the hall. How do we know this is all down to you, Magnus, said one of the men from the shadows. This stinks of conspiracy. It is you who has a bloodlust for the three men. You who trained your bird to disrupt the ceremony so you could run like a hero into the mountains and prove your wisdom to us. We have no witness to what you found. You could have put the cleaver there yourself. I am a witness, said Alva suddenly. Her voice was small and cracked as she spoke. It felt hard to squeeze the words out of her mouth. She pulled back her wide fringe of hair, raised her head high and said again, I am a witness. The room hushed. Pausing, surprised by the silence, she tried to recreate the speech-giving voice she knew so well from the men of the hall. I swear by all the gods and goddesses, by Freya and Freya, by Thor and Odin, that all my uncle says tonight is true. Sweat dribbled down her back and her heart thundered inside her chest, but she carried on speaking. I have been with him every step and I can testify to all he states. My wolf and rear found the knife in the snow. Look, she said, pulling the beast forward and pointing to his nose. He cut his nuzzle when we searched for it. And I can describe to you Bjork's home, his yard and the hut where we found the treasure. Turning her eyes as confidently as she could manage towards the Jarl, she said finally, let Thor strike me down if I tell a word that is untrue. Magnus looked at her with an expression of gratitude as she brushed her hair back over her face once again and pulled away from the hearth. From rear shielding her, she went, but she is your blood relative, another voice called up. She is sure to support you. And why should we listen to the words of a simple girl? Magnus took an angry step towards the man who'd spoken, raising the butcher's cleaver towards him. Alva rushed to his side, pulling back his arm. Hush, said Jarl Eric, standing up from his broad wooden stool and stepping forward. Calm yourself, Magnus, and do not raise weapons in my hall. Sit down and put that knife down. Magnus reluctantly did as he was instructed. Now you have certainly been busy tonight, Eric continued. As Jarl of Kilsgaard, I am not pleased when members of the town take justice into their own hands and fail to keep me abreast of what they are doing. But what you have found is of great interest. We all know that Bjark has become more difficult and unhappy with each passing moon. If it is the case that you found his cleaver in the mountain, I, as Jarl, must discover the truth. He turned to two of his carls, Tori, Krim, find Bjark and bring him to the hall. He will be full of mead and you know he is strong, so take weapons. Tell him I wish to see him immediately, but do not harm him. The two left the hall, grabbing their spears and shields from the entrance where all the carls had to leave their weapons. No arms were allowed near the Jarl's hearth, so Uncle Magnus had created further drama by bringing the cleaver and stolen weapons to the Jarl Eric's table. Magnus, said the Jarl, you have displeased me in many ways today, but we are friends and I know you and the girl are wise at investigating. 
Come up to my bench and let me hear all the details you have. I will need to question Bjork when he arrives. Servants entered the hall, bringing jugs of mead with them and refilling the cups of the men around the benches who kept their voices low. Anticipation hung heavy in the air. Magnus and Eric spoke quietly but energetically while Alva and Fenrir slumped in a corner. Alva tried to warm her frozen feet but the fire was some distance away. The relative calm was shattered as the two carls re-entered the hall, dragging an unsteady, dirty, dishevelled man between them. Alva sat up and paid close attention, cajoling her drooping eyelids into action as she leaned towards the new arrivals. She rose to her feet slowly. Bjork, Magnus' voice rang around the hall. The Moriers lowered their cups and stared at the doorway. Bjork, her uncle boomed again. I found this basket hidden in your outbuilding. I have been to the mountain and seen where you attacked the young strangers. I have found your lost butcher's knife. Here in front of the hall, I accuse you. You attacked the three younglings who came to our hall. You robbed them and took their wealth for yourself. Did you also attack the monk and the English earl? If so, where are you hiding them? Half man, half giant, the butcher planted his feet and slowly raised himself for where he'd been where he'd hung between the two groaning carls. He was covered in grime, and his beard was matted with straw and flecks of food. He smelt even worse than his house, Salva thought, as he stumbled to his feet and moved towards Magnus with steady, heavy steps. Each time one of Bjark's feet hit the ground, she could sense the warriors of the hall shudder. He stopped only a breath away from Magnus and lifted up his face which was covered with the scars of many battles. Bjork was old now, but Alva knew he had been a Viking with the strongest men of the town and had experienced the thrill of the fight. His left eye was partially closed where the line of the, an enemy's sword had cut across it many years ago. His beard was still golden, but was covered with the stain of mead. To Alva, he appeared fearsome, handsome and huge. Is it me you speak to, great rat? Bjark hissed, the words slurringly in Magnus' face. Has Loki climbed into your skin? What mischief do you make? The whole town is full of terror at these night attacks, Bjark, Magnus replied, his voice quavering slightly. It is up to me to discover what is happening. My raven followed you today. You went to the hills where the group of foolish young treasure hunters were gathered together. Raf told me the men were gone. And the mess you left at the site told me everything else. You stole the men's weapons, these weapons. Magnus lifted two silver daggers from the table. Other side shiny objects had also tumbled out of the basket. Glistening brooches, belt fittings, metal buttons and many coins. Everyone in the hall eyed them greedily. Bjork drew his face even closer to Magnus, breathing his words with a menacing grumble. Accuse me again, wretch. And I'll send you to hell with all the other sad, useless Vikings. Pulling himself up to his full heights, Alva's uncle stared back. I found this at your home, hidden in your yard. You have taken these treasures from the poor young men. So it is you that has took the Englishman and the casket. Do you have your eye on a greater treasure still? Bjork let out a huge bellowing laugh. Stupid, ignorant fool! Turning to the hall, he raised his voice so everyone could hear. He suddenly seemed sober and strong. I admit it. I stole from the compass curls who came to Jarl Goodman's lands. 
When they came into Kilsgaard, they passed by me, asking if I'd heard talk of a great treasure. They were so rude and brash and boyish that I told them I'd heard of a monk and an earl and a casket covered with clues. They wanted to know where the men were last seen, so I told them of the clearing in the trees on Jane's finger. They were just three boys with barely a beard hair on their chins between them. They were rich, covered in silver and armour. I knew they would camp there, so yes, I went for the easy pickings. They were so weak. The men struggled a little, but really it was like taking life from a lamb. I took their wealth, but I did not take the casket from the Englishmen. I have no interest in runes. Why, Bjork? Why did you steal from them? It was Alva who was speaking now, moving towards the ranting man, and her gentle voice brought a transformation in the giant. Bjarkshi's shoulders slumped. He drew his bold gaze from the hall and looked at his feet. I am poor, he said quietly. Rest assured, I too want to know who is responsible for taking the other men, so they can taste the edge of my sword. I should not have gone to the young men, but I have nothing, and they were weak. I wanted their wealth for myself, and I knew I could take it. But I see that by doing this, I created more terror for the people of our town. There is no honour in what I did. By the gods, I am sorry. He shrunk in on himself and the silent hall began to murmur. Magnus clasped himself on the arm. I think you speak the truth, he said to Bjork. To make a speech in front of the hall is brave and I believe you. I felt that there were two different people responsible for these attacks. But this doesn't bring us any closer to knowing who has the casket. You have committed a crime, Bjork, but judgment on this should come from the Jarl. Turning to the men of the hall, he raised his voice addressing them all. Now, we have to work together if we are to cleanse this threat which moves among us. We have to come up with a plan. Time is running out for the missing men. Alva felt the anticipation rising again, pushing away the tiredness that rang through her bones. She wanted to get moving. She wanted to crack her father's riddle. She wanted to get to Giant's finger.